Hello, listeners, and welcome to COVID Coffee Chats at UCalgary, a podcast brought to you by the Taylor Institute for Teaching and Learning. My name is Maya Anderson, and I'll be your host for this podcast. I'm a grad student in the Workland School of Education, and I'm interested in finding out more about teaching and learning during COVID-19. I feel like we all have incredible stories and insights about how this pandemic has changed our lives and how it's changed the way we teach and the way we learn. So each episode, I'll chat with a UCalgarian and get their take on what teaching and learning has been like during COVID-19. And perhaps if we share these stories, we can learn a thing or two. So pour yourself a cup of coffee and enjoy the show. Joining me for a coffee chat today is Lisa Silver, Associate Professor in the Faculty of Law at UCalgary. Welcome to COVID Coffee Chats and thanks for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with us today. So for anyone who doesn't know you already, could you start by giving us a brief introduction to who you are and what your role is at UCalgary? Okay, so thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here and uh, I know that it's I, I was going to say it's a pleasure to talk about COVID, but it's not really a pleasure. Uh, but uh, it's certainly it's it's certainly interesting to talk about one's experiences with something that is so unexpected that this whole situation was. So, as you say, my name is Lisa Silver, and I am an associate professor at the Faculty of Law. And I've been on faculty, I would say, as, as uh, full time for six years. And prior to that, I was a practice lawyer. And I practice in the area of criminal law. That's what I teach in as well. I also teach evidence. And I also run a 3L, so that's third year law students mandatory advocacy course. So as you can see, my background in practice and also my knowledge of the law is being used to the fullest extent at the law school. And by the end of the three years that a student spends at the law school, I would have taught every single one of them. So, you know, the, this conversation about COVID is really meaningful for me because as you can imagine, I spend a lot of time with the students and so COVID has really changed the way that I've approached my courses. And also, I suppose in some ways, uh, changed the way that I have, the, the way that I've been able to reach out to students, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. I bet that's kind of been a bit of a, a definite shift and kind of a challenge. So how have you managed to keep the connection with the students? Yes. Well, you know, so this is what's interesting and I'm gonna share this. Um, so right, right now I am teaching 1L, so that's first year law students. I'm teaching them what we call a doctrinal course and doctrinal means that it's very heavy on legal principle. And it's criminal law, first year criminal law, which tends to be a complicated area of law not not very kind of dissimilar from some of the other areas it's not very cut and dry there's a lot of public policy a lot of places to discuss and it's it's a challenge 
because uh, first of all, I'm teaching uh, more students than I usually do because we're down one criminal law professor. So there's only two of us teaching instead of three. So I have 67 first year students who I've never met before. And, you know, because I teach first years criminal, I teach second years a mandatory evidence course, and I teach third years a mandatory advocacy, I really do build on my relationships as the years go by. So how can I build relationships with this first year group has been a real challenge. So what I did, and I have to say, first of all, that I spent a lot of time over the summer uh, taking a lot of of a lot of uh, courses and seminars, whatever I could take that I thought would be meaningful for my courses uh, through the Teaching Institute. And the Teaching Institute is, is really awesome. Um, mm. My experience is their courses and their support is fantastic. I'm also, by the way, I know this is an aside, but I'm also, uh, near the end of taking my certification so that uh, academic staff uh, university teaching certificate and where you take uh, two courses and at the end you get a certificate. So I've had a lot of teaching and learning coming at me, but uh, a lot of what I'm doing is as a result of of learning myself. So it's not as if I made this up and I'm, you know, whoa, Lisa's amazing. She's so creative. She came up with these ideas. So what I did is I had the students post a video introduction. Now I said it could be audio. And there were a couple of students that had trouble posting a video and they just sort of wrote out uh, an introduction, which was perfectly fine. And I obviously, I posted one myself. I also had a summer student do a course trailer for me. So I thought, let's do something fun. And I did a fun course trailer to introduce the students in a fun way to the course. Even though it's mandatory, I thought that would be great. So it was, so the posting of this introduction by these students I found really helpful. The other students watched them. I watched each one and I made a comment on each one about something that the students said in their video. And students shared uh, their background, you know, where, what, what their degree was coming into to law school, what their interests were. And I also asked them to comment on what are they most excited about for criminal law. And it, it actually was, was not only good for me to see the students, to hear them, and then to respond, which actually made me me remember who they are and and but also it actually gave me an idea of what they were most interested in and it turned out that a lot of the students were interested maybe in some subjects that I actually wasn't going to be talking about because you know this is a very first year course um, or they talked about how they wanted uh, they were looking forward to um, learning what was real as opposed to what they watched on TV, which I thought was really interesting. So I ended up actually learning a lot and thinking to myself that even when COVID is over and we're in person, that that's just such an important, important way of, of learning about what students want 
and also having an interaction because I would say, no, we're not learning about young offenders in this course, but we'll be reading a case about a young offender heads up. So yeah, it was that was just a small thing that I thought was really helpful. The thing that I've been doing is also staying back. So, you know, class is over and I say, hey, who wants to hang out with me? Because I'll stay back for as long as someone wants to hang out. So, you know, sometimes students stay to just, you know, to ask a question, which is fine. But I've had a small group of, uh, of students who just want to hang out, who just want to talk. And I love it. Well, that's so amazing that you've been able to build that connection. And I think that's what we're all struggling with during this yes. time is that that personal connection. And I like how you've used that connection to kind of modify your lesson plan so you can make it really interesting for the students and very authentic yes. and meaningful. That's so awesome. Yeah. Um, so what would you say has been the most challenging part about teaching online? Well, so there you go. So what's challenging? So what's What's challenging is that you don't get, it's those nonverbal moments that you really don't get. You know, when, you've, when you're in a classroom and as, you know, I'm, I'm, my background is, is a lawyer and I'm used to being in court. I'm used to making submissions. And what I like about teaching is actually the questions that I get from the students. You know, it's very much actually like being in court where you're, you're challenged. And I love that. And I don't know what's coming at me. And I'm, you know, I know the material very well. I've, I've practiced for a long time and I know these cases and I read them again and I get excited. So even though I, you just don't, I just don't feel that an online environment is as conducive to spontaneous uh, quest, creativity and curiosity that in-class environment is. It's just, you know, there's always a time lag. There's always, there's always a barrier in place, be it seconds only. That, and I miss that. I, I very much miss it. Part of it, I think, is too, because I don't know the students as well in this first year course. Uh, I ended up uh, having to cover, uh, my, I, I have a colleague teaching evidence this term. I teach evidence next term. And so that's second year students that I know really well. And I ended up having to cover a, a class a couple of weeks ago. And it's amazing how different it felt for me. And I think for them too, because they know me really well, I know them. So that those little barriers of time or whatever just didn't matter as much when, when you are more comfortable with the people that are even in this digital environment. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a really interesting take on it. And I guess that, yeah, the experience must be quite different for the first years versus second and third with you, definitely. So I, I noticed in your bio that you talked about uh, experiential learning. And I imagine with law, there's, there's quite an, an amount of experiential learning. How have you been able to build that into the distance learning format? Okay, well, so there's two ways. So first of all, that course that I mentioned, the mandatory third year course on advocacy, that whole course is experiential learning. And I've been busy right now um, on a daily basis working to, to transform that 
in-person experiential learning course into an online. And it's difficult because it's about, it's about uh, advocacy in court. And uh, you know, it's, it's a different environment, but that doesn't, so what I'm trying to do is uh, not just, it, 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 there's no way that I could just put a course like that, just put it online it has, it needs to have some changes to it. And so what I'm trying to do is work with this, with the idea that we're online. So I'm trying to get some uh, lawyers outside of Calgary to come uh, be, do some demonstrations or, or be some guest lecturers. Cause what I do is, is each, I have about 12 groups of 12 students each and I have one to two lawyers and judge and or and or judges who guide the students on their performance, and they provide that feedback where the students reflect. So that's you know that's where the experiential learning really happens. So I'm trying to use the online experience by saying, hey, I can get this lawyer in Toronto to come online and be an instructor as well, which I think will make it you know a richer experience. I'm also, you know, talking about online advocacy. Some courts have been, especially uh, um, as a result, you know, for instance, in Toronto, they've, they've been going online, offline, you know, people have actually been conducting trials online. So trying to say, hey, you know, technology is the future. Let's talk about how we can use it better. So instead of ignoring it, I'm trying to embrace it is what I'm trying to do. And uh, so, you know, I'm hoping that that will provide a, a, a good experience and trying to embrace Zoom. You know, for instance, on Zoom, you can do share, you can share documents. Well, often you examine and cross-examine a witness in court, you do it on the basis of a document. And so really interesting to be able to share the document, see it really up close, all participants get to see. I, I'm really interested to see what the students' experiences are gonna be in using uh, that kind of technology. Um, I think they're going to miss that kind of technology when they, they get back into court. Yeah, that will be really interesting to see how this, this changes the landscape of things. and. I love that you're actually embracing it. I mean, that, that I'm sure that goes a long way for your students too, when they see the enthusiasm and, okay, let's do this. We're in this yes. together now. So that's yep. incredible. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, and in terms of, of my other courses, and I'm sure a lot of professors are using breakout rooms and they are, they're, they're really good because a lot of what, what I do in, in both my evidence and criminal law course is apply the principles and you can only apply them in fact situations. And I always had in, you know, did in-class breakout discussions and actually the breakout rooms are better online than in class because you can't, you know, you can hear everybody else talking and you can't really spread out. And so it actually, I think, provides a better platform for students to really concentrate on discussing uh, the fact pattern before them. That's incredible. And I, yeah, Zoom has some great tools to use and 
that you're actually using them with the breakout rooms and such. And I wonder what it will be like when they actually come back to class and how, how we'll have to shift back again. That will be really yeah. interesting. So looking back on all of this, what is one thing you wish you had known at the beginning of the pivot from face-to-face to distance learning? I, you know, I, I actually have to say that the pivot was, was not that bad um, because I knew, I knew what I was going to do. Um, and, and, you know, and the students, again, the students, we, they were at a point because it was later on in this, this criminal law course is, is full year. And so they were already, so to speak, experienced uh, law students. And so the pivot itself was not as difficult as I thought it would be. And I'm also, I mean, I had, uh, I've been involved in what you can call flipped learning for, for a long time. I was involved in the community of practice. And so I right away knew that what I was going to do was narrow my PowerPoints and then use the time in class for more, more of that uh, problem solving, so to speak, and getting them ready for that final exam, which always involved very complicated fact patterns. And I also, I also did, um, you know, quick reviews and I, I for fun, I, I had them do a criminal law playlist so that they would bring a song and, you know, I tried to put songs, you know, I mean, and so, you, you know, the pivot, pivot actually allowed me to try some stuff that I actually was like, no, I'm not really going to try that. So I actually really flipped the classroom where it, for first year crime, I'm like, no, I can't really do that. And I did it and, and it worked. So it, it, it gave me confidence to maybe try things in a little different way. What I realized is there's a difference between pivoting the last few classes and building an online course. And I have to say that I ended up um, over the summer completely tearing apart my syllabus, completely looking at the D2L space differently. So I started looking at my D2L space as the home base. And uh, I really, wow, I mean, I really changed it up. And I have to say that so far, what I've heard from my new students, my new one else, is they really appreciated that D2L space being used to its fullest advantage. Because what I did, you know, typically is I post a syllabus, I post, post my outline, and then for each class, I post my PowerPoints. I didn't, that's it, right? That's all I really use D2L for. Well, now I, you know, I, each day I would have learning, you know, class of, you know, learning objectives for each week. And I made them into modules and in modules I did units and in each unit, I did the same thing, activity one, readings, activity two, uh, listen to the PowerCast, activity three, come to Zoom class. So, you know, I really, I really thought, and I, I trimmed, and I, I'm telling you, you know, um, as an as a instructor or professor, you, you fall in love with your syllabus, right? You're like, man, that's the best syllabus ever. I love it. I could never change it. And 
what I said to myself is, no, no, I've got to cut because, you know, the students are overwhelmed. They are overwhelmed. You know, they're starting law school. Um, it's a different way of, of thinking. It's a different way of teaching and it's overwhelming. And imagine they've got five plus courses that are all gonna be online. So I said to myself, I started with learning, I've never done this. I've always done, you know, objectives for my course, but I've never like lesson objectives, like, no, like that sounds great, but no. But I did it and it was awesome because it actually said to me, what do I need and what do I don't need? If these truly are my objectives, then which cases do they really need to read? Cut, 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 trim. And, uh, you know, it was actually a really good experience for me. And I think I've made the course, you know, more, more focused. And as a result, I, I ended up separating my 67 students into two groups and I have them uh, one group comes Tuesday one comes Thursday and I do uh, whatever their activities were before they came to class I do quick review and then I do I apply I do facts so I'm really I'm flipping it and I'm gonna see <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if it's going to work but I feel good about it because I feel like I did a lot of work behind it. I could justify, they can see why I'm doing this. And I'll see in that midterm that is, is a very low assessment amount. I'll see how it goes. Amazing. So it, see, it sounds like you're kind of going with an, a really empathetic perspective and thinking about how the students will experience all of this more so than in the past, perhaps. And I think that's great that you kind of tore apart everything and rebuilt it to make it work for this. That's great. So um, in terms of the future, what do you think we can all learn from this as we move forward? I, I think that we can learn that, that change isn't scary. You know, I think we can learn that we can look at things differently. We don't need or don't want a, a pandemic for that to happen. But I think it does allow you to let go, you know, and, and as, a, as, an, as a teacher, as an instructor, you know, as I say, you, you tend to say, okay, that's great, that works, I'm gonna keep doing it that way. And you may tweak it and you may, but you don't really give yourself the opportunity to really innovate and be creative because that's, that's, you know, no, and it's too much work and I've got other. And so I think what this is, what is good for the future is this concept of being innovative and flexible and resilient and that you don't need something to happen for you to do that. And I think that's my big takeaway, which is change is not not scary um and that change can mean can mean that wonderful things for you and your students and uh i i really want to take that attitude with me moving forward uh looking at this as an opportunity as opposed to something that we just have to get through that's amazing. That's so inspiring to hear that. And I think we could all learn a thing or two from that. 
Um, before we go, is there anything else that you'd like to share with us today? Well, all I want to say is that, you know, at the core of all of this, even though there's all these changes and, and we're online and, and we like, you know, a piece of ourselves is kind of missing in all of this. Um, I, I, my, my big takeaway or my big recommendation is to always find the humanity in all of this, you know, that yes, we're talking to people through a computer screen, but we are talking to people. And I think you can still, you can still get that feeling online. You can still, you can still, uh, you can still inspire, you know, and I think we have to remember that and also remind ourselves that as teachers and we are learners, and as, as teachers, we have to take care of ourselves as well, not just our students. So, you know, that's important too. Amazing. Are there any tips you have for uh, self-care for teachers in this time? Well, I think you have to say to yourself, you know, it's okay if I don't do everything. Like, seriously. I mean, you know, I, you know, I'm a very... Uh, um, you know, I'm a person that has long, a long to-do list and, and I get through it. But, you know, there's been times where by the end of the day, I'm, you feel tired. You do feel more tired when you're, you're working online. It seems to, there seems to be something about that. And so I will say to myself, you know what? I'm just going to do something for myself for 20 minutes. I'm going to go out for a walk. I'm just going to go out into my garden now it snowed probably not today or I'm just going to do something for myself for a few minutes and I I would never do that in my office do you know what I mean in faculty in my office that wasn't a place for rest and I'm not saying that this is rest but it's just turning off for a few minutes I think that's really important not everyone can do that so easily but I I think it's really important Amazing. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And I think this has afforded us many opportunities to explore different ways of caring for ourselves and our students and the course material and the learning and such too. So thank you so much for chatting with me today. I really do appreciate you taking this time to share your thoughts and insights with us. If listeners wanted to hear more from you or more about you, how can they connect with you? Well, they can definitely email me and I'm happy to meet anybody on Zoom. Well, folks, that was my coffee chat with Lisa Silver. Thank you again to Lisa for coming on the show. And thank you to you for listening. For more information on the project, visit the website at covidcoffeechats.ucalgaryblogs.ca. And if you'd like to connect with me, feel free to email me at maya.anderson at ucalgary.ca. Take care and see you next time.